Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Tim Angel with a fascinating rags-to-riches story. We'll also hear from cutting-edge commentators Rob Pegarero from USA Today and... Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. All this and so much more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Okay, so we have Tim Angel. He's the owner of a company called Zugu. But before we talk about what the company makes, let's talk about Tim's personal story. Now, he sent me an email a few days ago. And this is something I think that a lot of people can relate to in terms of being kind of left abandoned or feeling everything was creeping up on them, but he found a way out. It said, here's what he wrote, I have a pretty unique and inspiring story. Basically a high school dropout going from jobless in 2009 to over a million in revenue in 2012 alone. Boy, I'd like to be there, over a million in revenue. Tell us more about your background, Tim. Okay, you dropped out of high school when? Uh, dropped out of high school junior year, you know, you know, I was kind of not doing very well in school, you know, being a teenager, kind of getting in, you know, some of the wrong things, hanging out with the wrong people, you know, so I dropped out junior year, um, actually lived over in uh, Costa Rica for about a year and um, then came back. But ever since I was a kid, you know, I was working uh, with my dad. He was an entrepreneur, too, uh, you know, starting up companies every once in a while. So I learned some things from him, but yeah, it's definitely different trying to do something completely on your own, you know, than, than with somebody else. You know, I basically lost my job back in 2009 and, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was really scary. I, I didn't have a high school diploma. I got a job, even though it was hard to find a job, I finally got a job at UPS, which they were only going to pay me about $8 an hour. And so I actually quit like 30 minutes after I got the job because I'm like, okay, I have to find a different way, you know? Okay, so you're not one of the people at UPS I almost cussed out today who <laughs> were giving me rather misleading information about the status of a package that was being sent. Nope. Almost was me. <laughs> it was almost you. <laughs> almost. I would like to think, though, if, if it was you, Tim Angel, what would have happened is you would have given me the correct information. Oh, of course. Okay, so that's interesting here because I know I've been in situations where I've been looking for a job and the job search has taken longer than it should and I feel like taking anything and being scared to death to say, no, I won't take this. It's hard to turn down the job, especially the economy is down the tubes. 2009 was a really miserable year. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and, you know, after kind of looking at, after getting the job at UPS, you know, just come to realize... $8 an hour, that's not even going to cover my gas bill, my phone bill, plus all the debt I was already in. So I was just like, okay, I have to figure out another way. And I'm not going to be able to find another job that's going to, you know, be able to pay me enough. So, you know, I kind of had to figure it out on my own. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of a good thing. I was kind of put up against the wall. And that's where you really, you know, try your hardest because you don't really have a choice. You have to, you know, somehow make it. So that's when I started doing different things like selling on eBay, selling, you know, through Craigslist, buying things, reselling. And then the iPad came out and, um, well, it was announced in 2010 
And I thought, okay, this is a great opportunity. So I'm going to basically risk everything that I have left on it, you know. Now, before we go on, a little perspective here. In what age group are you? Right now, I'm 28. Okay. So we're not talking about somebody just out of school. 28, you have a family? Um, I do have a family now, yes. Okay. Did you have a family when all this went down? Um, I did not, no. Okay. Because if you have a family, that makes it worse. Obviously, a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So the iPad comes out. This is your inspiration. Where do you take it? Yeah, so the iPad's coming out. You know, I heard the announcement, and uh, I'm just like, okay, there's going to be, you know, tons of competition with people making cases for the iPad. Um, but, I, you know, I just kind of knew it was going to be really big, and I figured, um, okay, I just got to come up with the, with the best case, the, the most functional case, because it's just basically a screen. You don't have – it's not a laptop where you can, you know, move it to, uh, to different angles, especially since – you know, it's a touchscreen. You're going to need it at different angles to type, um, do certain things like that. So, you know, I basically um, spent about a week straight in my in my apartment, not really going outside, just making um, prototypes, brainstorming on different ideas. And um, I remember at one point, you know, because I'd sleep two hours and then work 10 or 12. At one point, you know, I didn't know if it was morning outside or night. <laughs> You know, I was just like so focused on on this this idea that, uh, you know, that just got all mixed up. But I finally, after about a week, uh, a little bit longer, came up with a, a design that worked really well. And it's still to this day the only case that's adjust, adjustable to any angle. Um, it uses basically a Velcro kickstand. So it can be adjusted all the way down, you know, from typing angle to, to movie angle. So if you move it to as many angles as possible it's probably about you know 20 30 angles that's what you know makes us so different on all, from all the other cases out there and, and you have to look in comparison to what microsoft did with the surface tablet which is to have a fixed kickstand which is right. one angle one position period right yeah when i first when i first saw that one coming out i was i was a little bit worried what they were you know what they were doing but yeah that's still only um one angle and I did have customers ask, you know, they wanted me to uh, make a case for the Microsoft Surface. But, you know, it, it all depends on the tablets, how popular they are. If they are, you know, if they are very popular, then, you know, there is a, a large market to sell cases. Um, but you got to be careful because, you know, like the Microsoft Surface, don't think it's anywhere near the, the iPad and you could get caught with, a lot of inventory and not be able to move it. Okay, so now that you have this design, and before we go on, had you ever designed anything like this before? Is this something altogether new for you? Um, pretty much all new, all altogether new for me. I mean, I did, um, you know, always kind of come up with inventions since I was a kid. I had like a notebook that I would do drawings, um, but I'd never really, you know, tried to invent something and actually bring it to market now that has to be a story here not just the features but now you have the idea and obviously you have no money so how do you take this from a to b to c to be able to have someone build this for you right to have someone finance it Did they give you credit or what they didn't give me credit you know i went to a couple friends um friends parents actually because you know i was pretty young back then 
um, to see if they would be interested in, in investing in it. And, um, you know, they, I kind of didn't really get anybody that, that wanted to invest in it. So I just started selling everything that I had because I, you know, I had, uh, some motorcycles, I had a TV, uh, a flat screen TV and, you know, I even sold my bed. I, I sold pretty much, you know, everything that I had and bought a plane ticket to China for, for a couple months. And once my friend's dad saw, you know, how committed I was, um, to this, he was like, okay, I'll, I'll invest in you. Um, so then he basically wrote me a check for $70,000. And that's how, you know, it, it all got funded. So I, I went over to China, um, for two months and, you know, just tried to find a factory that could make it. And, you know, just going to China is very difficult if you don't have anything, if you don't really know anybody over there. And I mean, it took me six hours just to get to a hotel from the airport because I couldn't find anybody that spoke English, you know, but when you're determined enough to do something, there's, you just don't let anything get in your, get in your way. You know, there's, there's always a, a way through it. We'll get into more of the story of Tim Angel and Zugu in our next segment. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Say, neighbors, when your entire team can get together, it's just amazing what they can accomplish. Projects that take weeks, decisions that take days, it's all done right then and there. But you know, gathering everyone together from all those different locations, it can be time-consuming. It can be expensive. It can be plain impossible. That's why we use GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It makes it easy for our entire team to get together online. You see, with GoToMeeting, we share the same screen. We stay on the same page. The built-in HD video conferencing makes the online meetings just like being in the same room. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. 
If you love pineapple as much as I do, I've got some great news for you. You're going to love this offer from Freeze Dry Guy. For the month of May, Freeze Dry Guy is offering the finest quality freeze dried pineapple. A case of six number 10 cans yielding 114 servings at a special introductory price. First quality freeze dried pineapple grown and packed with nothing added. This healthy treat works wonders with salad. It's great for snacking, hiking, hunting, camping, and for adding to your food storage program. And please note that Freeze Dry Guy's foods will store on your shelf for decades. Order now and get free shipping to your front door within the lower 48 states. This special introductory price is good until May 31st. For more information and a free complete product list, go to freezedryguy.com or phone 866-404-3663. Freezedryguy.com, 866-404-3663. Gardeners, here comes another growing season, but don't use last year's soil. Maximize yields in your survival garden with EM1 from Terragonics. EM1 is an organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant that provides a broad spectrum of beneficial microorganisms, enzymes, trace minerals, vitamins, and various organic acids. EM1 helps regulate the soil's pH level and its soil microbes, improving moisture retention and drought tolerance. Remember last year's dry conditions? EM1 from Terragonics is safe, chemical-free, and certified for use on all organic farms. It improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, and gives up to 20% more nutrient value in fruits and vegetables and greatly increases shelf life. And EM1 is so simple to use, just mix with water and apply. This year, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganix.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganix, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Tim Angel from Zugu. He's the owner, and as you've heard so far, here we have a young man, high school dropout, loses his job, sells everything he has. And I remember that happened to me in my 20s, where I lost my job at a radio station, and my first wife and I basically sold everything to the point that we had the mattress, and that was about it. Almost everything else was sold. Oh, we have the TV set, and we managed to pay the rent on a small cottage. So we know about... At that point, downsizing. This was many, many years ago. Okay, so you go to China, and obviously you have the language barrier, but do the contract factories that build this stuff, they have people who speak English, right? Uh, Yes, the factories do have, well, I mean, not all of them, but a good amount of them. The larger ones do have somebody that speaks English. So once I was able to make contact with the factory, you know, it would be a little bit easier because they would come to my hotel and pick me up and they'd have somebody that spoke English. So I went to about five different factories and then finally chose one to show my my idea to and have them try and make it. What I had was a cardboard prototype that I had made out of hand. I mean, you know, nothing special really. But I gave them the prototype and they would make a, um, a sample prototype out of leather And then I would tell them, you know, what was wrong, what needed to be changed. So we went back and forth probably, you know, about 10 times to get it perfected. 
So finally, um, we were able to uh, start production in April um, 2010. All right, so now you have the product. How do you sell it? Yeah, selling it's a whole nother beast. Um, okay, so the whole the whole story along when I when I decided I was going to you know do this and risk everything, I figured, okay, well I might as well get video of it, you know. So I, I started posting video on um, uh, video episodes on on YouTube since the beginning, you know, when I started selling um, all my stuff and. So we had episodes and gradually we, you know, started, I started to get people to follow and watch. And, you know, I would spend most of my time on forums, tech forums, when I wasn't at the factory, when I was in the hotel in China, I would, you know, spend maybe 12 hours a day on different forums, just uh, letting people know about the case, the design and how different it is from, from every other case out there. Um, and that's how I kind of got, you know, a following. Then I was able to get tech site, um, tech sites to do reviews. I got some pretty large reviews. And, um, from one of those reviews, uh, there was a, a purchase from, from Brian Johnson, I think it was. And, uh, it said in, in the description or whatever, um, from the PayPal order, it said Rush Limbaugh. So we figured, okay, well, this is, uh, an order from Rush Limbaugh. So we had sent a letter with it. Um, Rush Limbaugh ended up talking about, you know, my story and the case on air for a good five minutes. And, um, you know, that was, that was a good day. (laughs) Um, it, it basically shut down our website, but the orders were just coming in nonstop. Now from that beginning and now you're in business, but you can't just survive on one product alone. Right. Exactly. So we, we had that, that one product going, going well now, and um, we just continued to do tech site reviews and YouTube reviews on, on that um, adjustable case, which, was, which is the case genius. And so then we started to um, you know, work on our new case, which I, have, I had already been thinking about you know, the next thing ever since we started production of the, the first design. And I always wanted to make something that was still functional, but then didn't have to, uh, use Velcro. So it took about a year or longer, um, to come up with the design. And then once I come, came up with the design, it took about a year going back and forth to the factory to, to perfect it for, um, production. But, um, the newest case is the case prodigy that uses a magnetic kickstand. So it's adjustable to six different angles, which, you know, was great. You have a low typing angle, you have a high movie angle and, and you have four in between, but you know, it's, it's, it's just a really great looking case and it, and it's, you know, very functional. So that's, that's the case I use myself now is the case prodigy. Now going back in retrospect here, are you still using the same contract factory in China or did you move the stuff over somewhere else? Um, well, you know, right now I work with about, uh, four different factories. Um, we have our cases made in, in different factories. Like our, our case genius is made in one factory. Our, um, case prodigy is made in another factory that's actually owned. Um, uh, it's a, a U.S. owned factory. You know, I tried to bring some of the production over 
to the U.S., but it's just it's it, not possible, you know, to to bring um, our case over. It would just be way too expensive for the consumer. Now, what kind of staffing do you have now? You started out all by yourself. How big a company yes. are you? Uh, started out all by yourself. Uh, started out all by myself, and and now we have um, three employees, and then we have. Um, you know, a, a bunch of reps and resellers and promoters that go out and, uh, you know, let people know about our case and they make commission on the sales. So as far as a team in our office, it's three people. And then outside we have a lot of contractors and other people that we work with. So this is definitely almost the ma and pa kind of business, the small business that operates worldwide. Definitely. Exactly. Now, you sell a lot of other cases. Do you make those yourselves or do you resell them? Um, well, a lot, of the, a lot of the cases, all the cases that we make, we do make ourselves. Um, you know, right now we have probably around 20, 25 products. Um, and our, our main products are the Case Genius and Case Prodigy. But we're expanding into, you know, iPhone cases and Galaxy cases and you know, different things like that, because like you said earlier, you can't survive just on one product or a product that, you know, is only based on, you know, the iPad. You have to assume that people do buy galaxies. As right. much as some people don't want to admit it, you have to agree <laughs> they buy Kindles. Right. So you definitely have to sell other products and do what you can. In our remaining minutes, tell our listeners a little bit more about how they can get more information about Zugu. Well, our website is um, Zugu.com, and that's spelled uh, Z-O-O-G-U-E. Um, everybody can use the promo code RADIO to get 10% off of any order. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been a long road, but you just have to keep, um, you know, keep pushing and not everything you do is a success, you know. I mean, there's been many failures along the way that you that you just learn from. As long as you learn from, that's that's the most important thing. Tim Angel, the company is Zugu. That's Z O O G U E dot com. The promo code is Radio if you want to get that ten percent discount. Tim, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. 
For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Imagine waking one morning only to find your family shivering in the dark because you couldn't afford to pay your electric bill. That's closer than you think. You probably haven't heard about this yet because the liberal media has been suppressing what is fast becoming the most shocking news story of 2012. Obama's secret war on coal that could increase your already high power bill as much as 400% in coming months. As shocking as it sounds, it may well be just a matter of time before the lights start going out across America. But here's some good news. There's an underground video at Exposed123.com that thousands of smart patriots have used to end their slavery to the corrupt electricity monopoly. The video at Exposed123.com has already been banned by Google, and the liberal media is doing everything in its power to take it down and keep America in the dark. So watch it now at Exposed123.com before it's too late. Again, that's Exposed123.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have columnist Rob Pecorero, who writes for USA Today and other venues. He rejoins us with so much to talk about. We'll just jump right in. Okay, so for a few days anyway, Apple's stock price rose because of Apple's offering to, what, buy back shares? You know, after following Apple's stock price, I thought it was getting a little bit overvalued, but the the idea that it's now worth less than Dell is just a little bit weird for me to take. 
Okay, so what's happening here? Is Apple just playing financial games to kind of game the stock to rise until they get new product out? I think they're busy enough playing financial games to uh, keep their taxes as low as possible. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the whole logic, the argument for uh, being bearish in Apple, that they don't have any uh, breakthrough products in development, does anyone else? You know, people are complaining that, oh, you know, where's their driverless car? I'm sorry, that's not going to be the kind of disruptive innovation that's going to make an iPad-sized dent in the market in any kind of short-term time horizon. I don't think Google Glass is that either. I don't know any reason I can think of that I buy Google Glass, and I think people would worry about a driverless car. They really would, you know, or a car with a computerized operator. I think of the movie, the original Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where they had, what, a Johnny cab, a robotic-operated cab? Well, I don't know. There, there's some drivers I would want to see replaced by computer algorithms, so that I'm okay with. But there's so many other issues. Yeah, <laughs> It's just strange, and I, I mean, I've always thought the stock market should be pretty logical in the long run, but over the short term, it can be as crazy as you know any individual investor can get. Now, let's look at the way things have happened here. So, for example, we see the Samsung Galaxy S4, and we'll ask for your comments in a few moments, but the upgrade is perceived as being incremental at best with some software fluff. What do you expect? We've been making smartphones. I mean, sure. since the iPhone set one template to do that, we're, we're on like six years. So we're using the same template, but we expect Apple now to throw that away and have a new template? Well, maybe the, the, the iPhone uh, 6 will have some uh, nuclear fusion power cell in it, but I don't expect it to, and so that'll probably be incremental too. Well, they can always include transporter beams. Yeah, it might be tough to get that past the FCC. There is that. Well, this is something that the FCC cannot measure. It's on subspace frequencies. (laughs) Oh, well, anyway, but seriously speaking, so we go back to Apple stock, and the stock price has been on this crazy roller coaster, and everybody complaining Apple is not being innovative enough, that sales growth is flattened. But if Apple continued the sales growth they had, they'd soon own the planet in 10 years. Yeah, and obviously, you know, things are going to slow down in some areas and pick up in others, but... There's a certain whininess to uh, assessments of Apple these days. I just don't get. Has anyone actually used the the term beleaguered to describe them lately? Is that adjective about to resurface? I think it's been around. You know, amid all the demands for Tim Cook to resign, <sighs> crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't accomplish anything. I mean, if Apple had quarters where they lost money, but it's a cash machine. So it's a lesser cash machine? We should all have these problems. I can't wait to have problems like that. <laughs> it's just awesome. But basically here, this thing they're doing on Wall Street, is that just kind of business fluff? I mean, obviously it means something to those who gain from the investment. But when you play money games like that, there's no advantage in terms of producing better product. You're not building anything. You're just playing with computers. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, yeah. I, I just don't want to hear any uh, lectures from uh, Wall Street traders that you know there's such a pure embodiment of rational capitalism at its finest. Because not on this time horizon, I don't think they are. Well, the thing again is, what did they build? Why can't they just build something? And they're not building anything. This is an excuse. Yeah, you can make that complaint about the stock market at any time, and that's. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think in, in general, I would say the financial sector in the U.S. as well as the legal sector in the U.S. economy is just too large. I'd, I'd rather have more people building things than moving piles of money around. But that, that's a whole longer discussion to have. Not one necessarily germane to a show like this. Let's move back to the Galaxy S4. Okay, so I'm playing with the Galaxy S3. They haven't gotten the 4 to me yet. So if I look at a Galaxy S3, and for those who own the current model or the recent model, what changes are they going to see? Uh, the point you'll notice right away when you pick it up is that it's lighter and thinner by a little bit. The screen is bigger, but the phone is no larger because they basically shrunk the bezel. It's it's as much... <laughs> if they make the screen any bigger on this model, they, uh, they would have to put Samsung in a smaller font above the screen, and the home button would be even more squished. So it's just a... It's just a case of nips and tucks. Well, in that sense, Samsung's doing what any good phone manufacturer should do. And I'm impressed that, you know, as thin as this thing is, you can actually, well, you'll see if I can take this, take this apart in front of the microphone so you can hear the sound of it, uh, where it's the back panel on this thing. You can, in fact, take off the back. Right. Although, of course, I just trim my fingernails. So this is a little more work than it should be. And get at the battery, get at the... Uh, the micro SD card slot and the SIM card slot. So, you know, I think that's, that's, a, that's a neat piece of work by Samsung. And the battery is quite high capacity as well. My qualms about it are all on the, uh, the level of software. Let's talk about that specifically. It sounds okay, to so, me as if they've thrown everything at the wall they can, hoping that maybe one or two things will stick. There's a whole lot of features that I think demo really, really well, but their practical application seems somewhat limited. So I would look at, um, you know, a bunch of the tricks you can do in the camera. You know, there's one feature where you can embed uh, background audio in a picture, which is neat. I took a picture of this uh, nature preserve I was at in Florida the other weekend, and you can hear, you know, birds chirping and squawking, whatever, but you can't, (laughs) whatever kind of, mongrel file <laughs> the camera on the phone created it the audio i, I can't play it in os 10 it doesn't play in Flickr. you if you put it on facebook it's silent um so that's not so helpful and you know so they made it they, in some kind of proprietary format i don't know i mean it is a regular jpeg just whatever the, the embedded audio doesn't show up um you know it's not the only time that's happened um you know, the uh, Nexus 4 and other phones running Android 4.2, the stock version from Google, there's a neat Photosphere option, which lets you do QuickTime VR-style panoramas where you pan up, down, left, and right. And you can't really view those anywhere except on Google Plus and Google Earth. So there's that. I think the broader problem with the phone is, is all these new control options it's added. So there's a bunch of neat options where it will either like follow your face. The front camera will see, are you paying attention to the phone? In that case, the screen should stay on. Sounds like my dog. When I'm not paying attention to my dog, the dog will, in subtle ways, try to get my attention. It'll slither past my legs. It'll grab one of its toys that makes a noise and start making the noise. Exactly. So, and, and then there's this option you can enable. It's off by default where it will, uh, it will scroll the phone, scroll the screen for you if it thinks you, you're looking down. And the first time it works, it's fantastic. You're like, 
I am using the force to control this phone. And then it randomly scrolls upwards when you don't want it to. And suddenly you're fighting this whole interface with your thumb versus the phone sensor where your eyeballs are at. So basically uh, speaking example, here, it's assuming that your eyeballs are fixed objects that only look down at something to scroll down or only look up to scroll up or something like that. Well, there are other ways to do it. You can have it, uh, it'll automatically scroll if you tilt the phone. But even then, the problem is it's a lot of user training, I think, to get to a point where the thing bends itself to your will reliably enough. And in the meantime, you're fighting the phone a whole lot. We'll go to the other example in a moment, but fighting the phone is the worst interface of all. The phone should do what you want, not work against you, not force you to adapt to the phone's needs. We have Rob Pegarero. We're adapting to his needs on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231. And the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Rob Pegarero, he's a columnist for USA Today and other places. And we're talking about, right now, the Samsung Galaxy S4. The kind of phone he says that you have to fight sometimes in order to get it to do what you want. And that is kind of at cross-purposes to what it should be doing. So another example of this, and here there's an interesting Apple parallel I realized after a few days. Uh, There's another option where the phone responds to gestures in front of the screen. Uh, For instance, this is how you're supposed to do a screen capture. You move the palm of your hand uh, left to right across the screen and it takes the screen capture. Instead of the standard Android shortcut, which is hold down the power button and the volume down button for about a second. What I realized is, as I was browsing the web, there's a different palm gesture that uh, means you advance from one object to the next. For instance, from one photo to the next in the gallery application. And the problem in this case is that the phone was interpreting an, an idle movement of my finger or my hand as a command that, hey, it should switch to the next tab open in this browser, which drove me nuts. And after a couple days of that, I realized exactly what it reminded me of which was one of the options I had to turn off in Lion and then Mountain Lion, where there's all these touch-sensitive options, either a laptop's touchpad or the the top of a magic mouse, which kept on flicking me from one page to the next. And in both cases, I I said, stop it. You guys are being way too sensitive. Stop trying to think ahead of me. If I really want to do something as drastic as switch to an entirely different web page, I'm perfectly capable of tapping or clicking in the right place on my own. Taking Think Different to the radical level. And the funny thing is, Samsung, at least this particular option, the the gesture option on the Samsung phone, at least that was off by default. With Apple, it's on by default. So, you know, I think in some ways, if you leave this thing on its default settings, you're less likely to get into these situations. You're also, you know, you don't see so many of the things that they, they show off in all the demos and the ads and whatnot. Well, this is the whole problem with 
products like that. They have these gee whiz fluff features that are gimmicky. They may work once or twice when you play with them. But if you're going to do that kind of thing, you've got to allow for the exceptions, for the margin for error. And I think that's where Apple is separated from a Samsung. Supposedly, Apple will add a feature, for better or worse, making it consistent, reducing the errors that could occur. Of course, there are exceptions. You move your eyeballs the wrong way or you tilt the phone the wrong way and it's scrolling and it's doing all sorts of nightmarish things you don't want. So it's it's a matter of weighing the error ratio. You know, there are some things on the phone I do like. The camera takes some really nice shots. And one of these interface features I do like, and I kind of wish it worked in, in more than just apps that have been rewritten by Samsung. There's a different sensor on the front of the phone that sees when your finger is just above the screen. You can have the phone use that to provide a preview of something you're hovering over. So if you're hovering over uh, a calendar entry, instead of just seeing the, the two or three words that fit, you can see the entire thing in a little window that appears and then disappears when you take your finger away. This is something that on the Galaxy Note or the Galaxy Note 2, one of those, the phones with the styluses, you could get that sort of preview if you pressed a button on a stylus. Here, you don't need a stylus. There's no button involved. You just need a finger with presumably warm blood flowing through it. So that's neat, and I kind of wish my own phone did that. Otherwise, you know, when I go back from the from the GS4 to my own Nexus 4, there's not a whole lot of missing so far. Now, the other thing, of course, is that Samsung pushed this phone onto the market. They announced it. They barely mentioned Android. It's as if Samsung doesn't even want you to know that Android exists, that Google exists. They're not alone in doing that. HTC did the same thing when they launched the HTC first. It is interesting how much this interface departs from stock Android, which I know very well because that's what my own phone runs. And and in some ways, uh, these changes aren't helpful or don't really make any sense. You know, you would think for the sake of its consistency, because not everyone is going to be upgrading from an earlier Samsung phone, at least put the back button in the same place. And instead, it's on the wrong side of the phone compared to most other Android phones. Uh, switching applications is done in a different way. There isn't a recent apps button. You tap to see thumbnail views. Instead, you have to press and hold the home button, which, if you have an iOS device at home, really kills the user experience because, as I realized the last time I tried a Samsung phone at length, I started trying to do that gesture on my iPad mini, which meant I was invoking Siri all the time. That kind of got me fed up as well. All right. So the question I have here is, is Samsung setting themselves up to one day just fork Android and do their own thing and set up their own store and say, bye-bye, Google? You could see people have talked about the idea that Samsung will uh, you know, pull an Amazon where it's a completely different distribution. I don't – the problem is you, you still need to have access to the, the other – the existing stock of Android apps. And with the Kindle Fire, Amazon gave them a head start because they have Amazon set up the App Store – before they had the Kindle Fire, right? Am I correct in that chronology? Oh, I have to go back and look it up. I'll accept whatever you say. We can be corrected by our (laughs) listeners. Yes. And Samsung hasn't done that thing. They have the Samsung Hub, but, you know, no one really uses that, and there's no reason to use that on another Android phone. So I don't think that is so likely, but it is a recipe for continued... What's that word? I, what's that phrase here all the time in my the Thomas the Tank Engine videos? My daughter loves to watch confusion and delay. When you know you have an interface that works differently in so many ways, and now with the Galaxy S four, there there's Samsung specific APIs. You have to 
rewrite your application so that it can take advantage of these features. For instance, Flipboard has some extra capabilities on the Galaxy S4 because it can respond to some of these touch or near-touch inputs, which you don't get in other phones. Now, if I was Google, I'd be freaking. I'd want to call the CEO of Samsung and say, you know what, you're destroying the branding of Android. If Android is totally inconsistent from platform to platform and you're making it less consistent, how does that help the user? If the user says, I like Android, but I've got 10 different phones and they work 10 different ways. I wondered the same thing myself. I think I wrote a column about that. It was after that really awful phone uh, Verizon ship that had Bing as the default search engine. I mean, Google is not without recourse. They can always say, you know, you can't ship the, uh, the Android market. I'm sorry, the Play Store on this. So it's not as if Google has no recourse here. They can always, you know, say you can't install the Play Store. It used to be the Android market. That's kind of, uh, you know, a nuclear option, and I can see why they'd be reluctant to do that. But you would think, you know, shouldn't you have some minimum level of consistency about the core system buttons? Uh, and I guess not. And, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to Google's developer conference, Google I.O., in a couple of weeks. So I don't know what Google's story is going to be because they have this fragmentation problem. They have a, a delayed updates problem that hasn't gotten any better. You know, I wound up buying this Nexus 4 and actually going to have to eat an early termination fee, <laughs> switching to T-Mobile to get out of that box where you buy this phone and then you hope it's properly supported with software updates. And it helps the Nexus 4 is a good phone on its own. But how many people are going to do that? And the other issue being, as soon as you buy another phone, if you don't buy exactly the same phone, I mean, you could be stuck. You might say, I'll take the S4 because it's the latest and greatest, but maybe for my son, I'll get the S3. And theoretically, oh, it's almost the same phone. Well, not quite. Well, actually, in that case, you are fine. Samsung has been consistent among its own phones since the, the S3. Maybe it goes back to the original Galaxy Note. Uh, you know, the Galaxy S2 did not represent that much of a change from Android as we knew it. The, the, the system button layout, that was the same. It's a more recent development. I, I assume this is part of their long-term game plan, and I have to imagine they've done some usability testing. But, you know, I, I know what I like in a phone. Now, will any of the newer developments in the S4 be upgradable on the S3? Will there be a software upgrade? Yes. In fact, a lot of the stuff, not necessarily the stuff that relies on new sensors, but some of these camera options, they're supposed to come to the Galaxy S3, although you will have to sort of get them through your carrier, and that can take a little while. And we don't want to get started on what a little while might exactly mean. And there's also an email bug I found on the S3. I won't go into it on the radio. It's kind of complicated and very arcane that they realize is a confirmed bug. I'm not sure if it's an Android bug or a specific Samsung bug, but we'll have to see what that is and see if they roll out anything. But I've seen no new software updates from AT&T for the S3 since they rolled in Android 4.1.1. I may have to look into that myself. That, you know, troubleshooting is what I do for my USA Today column. Okay, so now I gave you a question, and you can answer it and see what happens. And to be fair, I did report the bug to Samsung. I got an acknowledgement from one of their product people several months ago, but have had no response. We can give you a response if you contact us here at the Tech Night Owl Live. Just write to us, news at technightowl.com, 
Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We have Rob Peguerero, and Rob's from USA Today and other venues. As a tech columnist, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Your freedoms are on the line. The Second Amendment is in danger. How soon before your freedoms are taken away? What can you not live without? What is your greatest dependency? Is it your guns? Is it your home? No, it's food. It all boils down to the food supply. Tyrannical governments control people by controlling their food supply. Don't be dependent. Be self-sufficient. Don't wait for the government to feed you. Feed yourself. I can warn you, but I can't feed you. Do like Alex has done and get a supply of food from eFoods Direct. It's the best long-term from storable food on the planet. Get the popular Mega Patriot Pack free. A 24-day supply of food plus stove, cook pot, and fuel. Call 800-250-1857 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get up to 20 Mega Patriot Packs free with purchase. Build your food supply, be in control, be self-sufficient, and be a patriot. Call 800-250-1857 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get your free Patriot Pack today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Another question here, Rob Pegarero, about the Galaxy S4. I saw a bake-off in one of the publications. You can tell me what your experience is. It takes really good pictures under normal lighting conditions. Its low-light performance is said to be inferior to the iPhone 5. What's your experience? That doesn't sound too far off base. I mean, there is a, uh, a night picture setting which does improve things, although it, you know, it makes parts of the phone grainier. You know, I think with all these things, there's a certain issue of just the limits of physics. None of these cameras, sorry, none of these phones have cameras with optical image stabilization, which is the number one best thing you can do to improve your low-light performance just because you can keep the shutter open longer without blurring. Uh, you know, they're all relying on software to work around that, and there's only so much you can do. But you would agree with, with me that Apple does more things automatically without configuration in terms of pictures. 
The Galaxy S4, the interface on it is actually some of that stuff they viewed in the Galaxy camera, which is the, the camera Samsung showed last year that runs Android. And so it's heavily focused on, you know, picking different modes. It reminds me a lot of a, of a, a lot of point shoot cameras in that way. Do you want to use the food mode, the sports mode, night mode, portrait mode? And, you know, you don't see that, that wealth of options in the iOS camera or, for that matter, in the standard Android camera where you're either taking a picture, you're taking a panorama, a photosphere, or video, but you're not optimizing for snow on the ground or water in the scene. But wouldn't the average person who's using even a point-and-shoot camera would tend to just pick it up and shoot a picture? They wouldn't look back and say, okay, I need to change the setting from snow to indoors or something like that. Right. Well, my favorite function on uh, this start showing up on point-and-shoots a few years back is the, the auto mode that will make the obvious changes for you. It won't wait for you to switch to macro mode. If it sees you're trying to focus on something less than a foot away, it'll automatically switch to that. Because, yeah, you know, you're, you're trying to live in the moment, take these photos, and you're not so likely to be, you know, doing a more, you know, a, a less detailed version of fussing with f-stops. Well, that's the point of point-and-shoot for any kind of camera configuration. But does the Samsung have an auto mode? Uh, it does, in fact, yeah. I mean, that's the default mode, and that works pretty well. You know, I took some shots at night near my metro stop around, like, uh, 10 or so, and uh, the difference between the shots taken in auto mode and in night mode wasn't a whole lot. It was the sort of edge you might be able to do, like an iPhoto. With the, uh, there's the adjust category where you can, you know, brighten the shadows or adjust the color balance, basic stuff like that. Okay, camera sounds decent. What about just using it as a telephone? You get good connections, good voice quality? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> honestly, testing... F- a phone for use as a phone is that's one of the shorter parts of the review because a lot of the time people don't use these things so much as phones. Uh, I certainly didn't notice any issues with the call quality, which I had a chance to test more than I thought because someone else must have had this review phone's number because I've had three or four people call asking for the same person. And I don't know who this person is, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I tried out the HTC first, another review phone. That one, that text message, the number on that had been on some text message thread among six or so people, which was 20 or so messages a day. And after three or four days of this, I, I'm like, I can't be eavesdropping on these people with them not knowing it. So I said, look, guys, I don't know you, but I'm just trying out this phone. I don't know whose number this is, but, you know, if, if you could leave me out of this thread, that'd be great. And your secret's safe with me. Boom, the messages stopped. So if you're looking at Apple and Apple's working on the iPhone 5S or iPhone 6 or whatever it's going to be probably this fall, what could they or should they improve to meet what Samsung did? Well, I think for Apple it would be better just sort of focus on the fundamentals. Battery life is the thing everyone complains about. And one of my disappointments with the S4, I mentioned the battery. It's a 2650 milliamp hour battery. The Galaxy S3 has a 2100 milliamp hour battery. Uh, And the tests I've done, it is either not an improvement or maybe a little worse in battery life than the older phone, you know, and it's certainly not, you would think looking at those numbers, oh, this is 25% longer battery life. So that's something for Apple to work on. I think, I don't know, looking at the things I did not like so much about the iPhone 5, one of them I don't like is switching that, I'm sorry, that stupid lightning connector. Realistically, we're all moving towards using Wi-Fi to transfer data from the phone to the computer. All you need is a way to recharge it. And for that, micro USB is perfectly fine. So here they have to invent some brand new connector and make a whole lot of old hardware incompatible. 
obviously that's not going to get reversed on the iPhone 6 or 5S or whatever. Uh, the nano SIM card, I hate that too for the same reason. You know, you saved something, by my math, it was 0.03, you know, three one-hundredths of an inch. Finds another way to save that space. Micro SIM is a perfectly good standard for everybody else to use. But that's not going to get reversed either. So instead, I would expect it will probably be a lot of focus on the camera, improving the quality. The big unknown is whether Apple will adopt some of the uh, the other technologies that have gotten into a lot of phones that haven't seen a whole lot of use. NFC is the big one, near-field communication. And I have to tell you, my own phone has an NFC chip in it, and I've yet to make any practical use of that. It would be nice at some point, but so far, nope. It's just I've demoed it a few times. It's nice to have. Perhaps at some point this will become a part of my daily routine. Not yet. I think that's Apple's game, even. They say, well, this new technology right now, it's not perfected, it's not supported, and maybe when it gets further along, they'll consider it. But that's kind of the brush-off that Phil Schiller gave. Yeah, and who knows? You know, certainly when Apple introduced Passbook, I thought, well, now this would make more sense if at some point they added NFC because you already have the phone that sort of wedges the phone firmly into somebody's uh, you know, local transactions throughout the day. So we have to see what Apple adds for the next iPhone. What about a larger screen size? Because we're talking about here five inches compared with four inches. And we have what Tim Cook said at the quarterly conference call with financial analysts, that the larger screens have major trade-offs. And maybe you're seeing that in the reduced battery life. Maybe the five-inch screen, as opposed to the 4.8-inch screen, uses a lot more power for whatever reason. Maybe that's another consideration for Apple. Uh, The big trade-off there is just can you use the phone one-handed? You know, my own phone and the Galaxy S4, they're at the upper limit. You know, I can use the thing one-handed. You have to be, sometimes it's a bit of a stretch for your thumb to hit an icon in the the bottom right or uh, top right corners if you're holding it left-handed. Battery life is an issue. Uh, For that matter, I'm also concerned about this. I did a piece about this the other day. This stupid, stupid race to have the maximum pixel density. If you can't see the constituent pixels on an iPhone 5 screen, why bother going beyond that resolution, beyond that pixels per inch? You're just, that's more work for the processor. It's more draining the battery. No one sees the difference. No one should care. Maybe that is the problem then. You just cited the problem with the S4. The pixel density is far smaller than it is on the S3. I think it's 300 something. The HTC One, the one that's just coming up, that has something like a 468 pixels per inch density. Which is crazy. Who, who are they trying to impress with that? Well, it looks good in spec sheets. If you're pushing more pixels on the screen, it means you need more power to do it. A more powerful graphics processor using more power. And maybe that's the difference between the S3 and the S4. The S3 has something in the 300-some-odd range. The S4, it's in the 400-some-odd range. Maybe that's part of the problem with battery life. Could be. It also could be all these sensors. You know, if you do need to keep the front camera running full tilt to see if your your eyes are paying attention, that could have an effect. Uh, it could also be, you know, there's this other sensor that runs this, uh, what they call ear view, this proximity sensor that determines when your finger is hovering over an element on the screen. A lot of different things. You know, I've phone battery life is still kind of a mystery to me why one phone should do much worse or better than another. Well... What can you say? This is where they felt they had to add as many features as possible, maybe stick in as many sensors as they can. And the trade-offs, we see the trade-offs. The fact is that you have a larger battery and it's not doing any good in terms of battery life. If anything, you get slightly worse. But I agree with you about the pixels per inch race 
I think that has become so absurd, it's hardly worth mentioning anymore. And I can see where Apple makes sense and all these other companies are not making sense. Speaking of making sense, we have Rob Pegarero. He writes with USA Today and other publications. And we're focusing right now on the Samsung Galaxy S4. But in our next segment, we're going to talk about Facebook Home. Does anyone care? No. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed-saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American-owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. 
If you love pineapple as much as I do, I've got some great news for you. You're going to love this offer from Freeze-Dry Guy. For the month of May, Freeze-Dry Guy is offering the finest quality freeze-dried pineapple. A case of six number 10 cans yielding 114 servings at a special introductory price. First quality freeze-dried pineapple grown and packed with nothing added. This healthy treat works wonders with salad. It's great for snacking, hiking, hunting, camping, and for adding to your food storage program. And please note that Freeze-Dry Guy's foods will store on your shelf for decades. Order now and get free shipping to your front door within the lower 48 states. This special introductory price is good until May 31st. For more information and a free complete product list, go to freezedryguy.com or phone 866-404-3663. Freezedryguy.com, 866-404-3663. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, so why doesn't Rob Pegarero care about Facebook Home? And I'm in your corner, my friend. Tell people what Facebook Home is and why do we bother? It is this software layer you can put on your Android phone, should you so desire. And uh, it doesn't actually solve any problems they have using Facebook. And it creates one that you wouldn't have otherwise. So what it, what it does have, instead of your lock screen, but it would be whatever it normally is, it's, it's just these ever-changing um, photos and updates from your Facebook news feed, which can be nice or can be not so nice. You can respond to them from the lock screen, which is a problem we'll get into in a minute. Uh, there's this chat interface, which puts what's called a chat head, a little thumbnail picture of the person's profile picture, when they send you a message, and you see that on the home screen as well. And there's also this launcher of apps that you can get to a little faster than you might otherwise be able to get to, but it's only a subset of what's on the phone. And the problem I have with it, first of all, just how much Facebook do I need in my life? You know, if, if anything, looking at the social network I spend most of my time in during the day, I would want a Twitter phone. But no, I don't. Twitter, don't get any ideas. Um, Quiet. I've heard rumors. You have, uh, I mentioned the, the Facebook Home lock screen really isn't a lock screen. You can set the standard Android screen lock, whether you're punching in a pin, drawing a pattern on the screen, having it recognize your face, whatever. That doesn't affect your ability to, to interact with the Facebook Home lock screen. So you can pick up the phone not have to un- unlock it beyond just the minimum screen unlock thing that's supposed to stop it from pocket tweeting, which this phone did for me anyways. And then you can read all the status updates on it. You can't post a new one without unlocking it, but you can certainly comment on other people's. That is weird to see from Facebook because they're generally pretty good on security. You know, They have one of the better two-step verification implementations out there. They did one-time passwords way before a lot of other sites. The people who worked on that stuff in Facebook must be in a different building on the campus from the people who designed Facebook Home. Well, isn't that the problem with some of these companies where they don't talk to one another and you get problems of this sort? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, Apple, that new campus is going to be pretty sprawling. So they uh, <laughs> they may have some intra-corporate communication issues as well once they uh, finish that build out. Mm. Actually, the bigger problem is no one is allowed to talk about what they're working on at Apple. I think now that Jonathan Ive is heading both hardware and software, though, he's allowing the hardware and software divisions to talk to each other about what they're working on. 
which hopefully don't include any more skeuomorphic interfaces. I understand skeuomorphism is going to be history. About time. I mean, some of these things, like a reel-to-reel tape deck for the podcast player, seriously, I've barely seen one of those things. I'm over 40. That's such an image that such a tiny minority of the iPhone demographic is going to have any idea what it means. I'm glad they finally got rid of that. Right, this is the newest version of podcasts where it shows how Apple might begin to change things. All right, back to Facebook Home. I tried it for five minutes. I downloaded it on the Galaxy S3. I played with it for five minutes and said, eh, and turned it off. Does anybody care? Has there been any adoption rate at all? Uh, Not that I've seen. You know, I'm going to take a sec right now and look in the Play Store to see what its current rating is. You know, one to five stars or whatever it is. Okay, he is now, as we talk, looking at the Google Play Store to see how the Facebook Home app is faring in terms of approval by customers. Oh, you know what? Sorry. I I cannot check on my own Android phone because, unfortunately, actually, I'm okay with this. Facebook Home is not available for it. I would have to check on the the web itself. But last I heard, it it was somewhere between one and two stars. Well, it shows how excited people are. You know, right now, I think Facebook is so cluttered and so irritating and so annoying if I didn't have to have a presence on there to be in touch with friends and business contacts, I probably wouldn't bother. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? have to have a presence there. I, I heard this interesting panel discussion at uh, uh, Free Press's Tech Policy Conference in Denver at the start of the month, and it was all about, you know, you're running your own media shop. You have to be on Facebook. How do you avoid getting, you know, sort of captured by and maintaining your own agency. And a lot of it was kept coming back to, well, dropping Facebook. That's not going to work. Certainly not if you want to connect with your readers or your customers. So you just want to make sure your, your Facebook page or if your, your profile, if you use it with subscribers, you know, you're linking out to some website that, that you run where you're not just this sort of unpaying tenant in, uh, in Facebook's enormous, ever-growing universe. Oh, well, as I said, I would have loved not to use Facebook if I can get away with it. We'll have to see where that takes us. Let's move on. Okay, to here we go. Here's here your go. star okay. rating. Two of five stars. Okay, two of five stars is like a movie on Rotten Tomatoes with, what, a 25% or something like that? Uh, well, technically more like 40%, although who knows? It could be more. It could be rounding up from two and three-quarter stars. It doesn't really break it down to that much to that level. And I see that the install rate has really tailed off over the last 30 days. It spiked a bunch, and then it's been plummeting down the mountain over what looks like the last 10 or so days, 10, 15 days. Well, that's where that goes. Facebook home. Let's send it home and let's stay there. Okay. They used to have in vaudeville days this little large cane yeah, with a long cool. circular end to it, and you grab a person by the neck and you pull them off. Yeah, so the hook. That's what we do. Take the hook and use it to pull Facebook Home off the stage. Goodbye, Facebook Home. Another topic here, EFF. Who's got your back? Tell our listeners what this is all about and why do we care who has your back? This is a great survey the Electronic Frontier Foundation started doing a couple of years ago. And they, they basically look at a bunch of big-name tech companies to see how they do on five core areas. So this year they expanded the, the number of companies covered and what they grade them on. So in, in, in this year's installment of Who Has Your Back, they're, they're looking at uh, six categories of things companies can do 
to try to stand up for you when the government is trying to look at your data or otherwise, you know, get some more access into your online life. One of them is requiring a warrant for content, which you don't actually have to stand for that because you don't have to insist on that if you're running a, a web operation. The, the letter of the law says if your data is stored for more than 180 days, you don't actually need a warrant. And, but a lot of companies have set a higher standard going on one circuit court's ruling. Uh, another one, tell users when the government requests data about them. A third is publishing a transparency report where you sum up all the data requests you get from law enforcement and not just in the U.S., from other, from other countries, and say, you know, how did you respond to these? How many did you, um, did you turn over the data? How many did you challenge? You know, give people a sense of how much interest the government is taking. Uh, another one is publish law enforcement guidelines. So if a prosecutor comes to you asking for information about a user, how do you respond to it? What's your standard for turning over that, notifying the user? Uh, then there's fight for users' privacy rights in courts, which is, you know, things like pushing back on overbroad subpoenas and fighting for users' privacy rights in Congress. So the two companies in the, uh, it's almost like two dozen or so this year around, that got six of six stars, one is Twitter, and the other is a great little internet provider in the Bay Area I've written about, Sonic.net. With five stars, we're looking at Dropbox, Google, uh, there's SpiderOak, an all encrypted full-time file storage service. Did I mention LinkedIn? You just mentioned LinkedIn, and you'll mention more in a moment. We have Rob Pegarero joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead, has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Rob Pecorero writes with USA Today and other places, joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. And we're listing the companies, the ISPs, web portals that have your back in the terms of protecting you from unwarranted or excessive government interference. So you mentioned LinkedIn as the last one. Who else? Yeah, so these are the companies that had five stars. Five or six is still pretty good. Um, you know, one company that improved a lot from last year's ranking went from zero to four stars is Foursquare. The only things they don't do are publish a transparency report and fight for users' privacy rights in courts. Um, Microsoft does well also. I, I was pleased. Microsoft published its first transparency report a few weeks ago. And they also did something only Google has done so far, which is provide even a vague range of how many national security letters they get. That's something where the FBI, FBI can request data about a user. And the thing about an NSL is you can't tell the user they got their request. You're not supposed to talk to talk about it at all, even though the feds have to total exactly how many they send every year. Google pushed back against that. 
and now Microsoft has as well. And so they both now break this down in terms of, you know, last year they got from 1,000 to 1,999. This year it's from zero to 999. So getting even into that level of detail is really useful because it's an area where a lot of companies have just said, well, there's nothing we can do, thrown up their hands. Especially smaller companies that don't have the legal resources. What about Apple? Apple ranks pretty badly. They have one star out of six, oh. which they got one for um, fighting for privacy rights in Congress. They're a member of the Digital Due Process Coalition. All these other things, if they're doing them, EFF doesn't know about them, which is one area where you know Apple has taken some really good steps, some good and overdue steps toward transparency and things like its environmental efforts, supplier responsibility, but you know nothing about how they responded to law enforcement. No law enforcement guidelines, no transparency report. They're not alone. AT&T does just as badly. Uh, Amazon gets only two of six stars. Comcast only gets two of six, although Comcast, I like how they publish their law enforcement guidelines. You want to know that, you know, because if there's no documentation for how they respond when a prosecutor comes knocking, who knows? Facebook is only three of six. It would be really interesting to see a transparency report from Facebook. And now I've written that they should do that. You know, they're high on the list of people who should do it. MySpace gets zero of six, but who actually cares? I don't know why they're on this list. Well, this is interesting Um, here. WordPress gets four of six, I'm noticing. And WordPress, of course, is important because WordPress has millions of blogs on their own site. Mine included. I I blog on WordPress.com. I was glad to see them there. They get uh, check marks for requiring a warrant for content telling users about government data requests, uh, publishing law enforcement guidelines, and fighting for privacy rights in Congress. So I'm glad knowing that since I do business with them. Now I should note, you know, I said I switched to T-Mobile. EFF didn't query them, so I hope they're on the right side of the right side of the force here, but I don't know. I, I can tell you Verizon got zero of six stars. I noticed. And Sprint wasn't, uh, wasn't gauged either in this list. Yeah, I was wondering about T-Mobile, especially for people who want to switch to T-Mobile when their cell phone contracts are up. Yeah, I, I would think Sprint would rank reasonably highly because they have pushed back. You know, there were a bunch of stories where Sprint would say, they would recall seeing them give a little more detail about government data requests than other people would. But we don't know. We'll have to hope that shows up in 2014. I guess also we have to hope that this list is expanded more companies would be contacted. And if there are any errors here, and I wouldn't presume there are, but if there are any errors, they will be corrected next time. Indeed. So that's who has your back. The rest, well, you're on your own. And what is a person with a small company? And I'm talking about somebody who operates a small company. And I have a web server. And I get a letter like that from the government. I don't have the legal means to fight them. Yep. Well, it's true in a lot of the, the- in the U.S., the, the courts is not, it's not the most equitable battleground. What are you going to do if you, somebody says you're infringing on a patent and they want you to pay some not horribly painful licensing fee, or you can spend a whole lot of money going to court and 10 years later win after you spend a few million bucks? So what do you do? This is what's happened, of course, with Microsoft and those Android patents, where now they've got, what, half the handset makers deal with them directly as much as $10 a handset, I heard, and now Foxconn signed a contract with Microsoft. I don't understand that. Yeah, that doesn't even bug me that much. I'm more concerned with a company like Lodsys, which is sticking up individual developers. You know, a company like HTC or LG or or Samsung, 
uh, any of these phone handset makers, they have legal departments. They have lawyers they can call and who will pick up the phone right away. But if you're an individual iOS developer or, or an Android developer for that matter, you're really kind of screwed if you're the target of what I can only call legalized extortion. Somebody demanding money for a patent that shouldn't have been issued and almost certainly will be held invalid once the patent office finally gets around to doing it. Does Apple and or Google therefore have a responsibility to protect their developers? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, they also have a responsibility to sort of lobby to get this thing fixed. And it's weird. There's so many of these issues that get discussed in Washington. And you hear from Google, you hear from Microsoft, you hear from Facebook, which has you know, really expanded its offices in D.C., Apple has this tiny lobbying department, and they just seem invisible. They're not part of the conversation. I would like them to be. Not that I don't read this as saying, we'd like some more lawyers. But it would be nice to know what Apple thinks on some of these issues. Because, you know, they've certainly been constructive in trying to make outsourced manufacturing a more responsible endeavor. But don't you think, though, with that in particular, it happened after the New York Times ran that series on the working conditions. Some of that stuff, but it was also the culmination of a lot of chatter over years and years. And, you know, I think we have to give a, a nod to Mr. Mike Daisy, who he did make up stuff. He got this topic on a lot of people's radar, not in an ethically sound way, as he'd be the first to tell you. But, but yeah, it's been going on for years. I was, and to go back to the New York Times, I was very gratified to read at the end of last year that they said, you know, we think things have changed. We've gone back to some of these factories there is actual improvement. All right, so things did work in the proper way for once. For once. (laughs) All right, who's got your back? Well, there you go. Interesting topic. Last thing here, before we go on, I'm going to ask you one question because we only have a couple of minutes and we didn't prepare this. And that is, for iOS 7, what are you aching for for Apple to do to make the mobile operating system better? Well, if I can only choose one, um, I think, you know, this will color me as an Android guy, but app management is a mess. I hate the way it's this fixed grid of icons. I can't even have a little negative space to set up an application I use all the time. It's just iOS will arrange them for you. You can, you know, move, move around their order, but you can't have one in a row by itself. Just basic stuff you and I use all the time on our desktops, physical and OS 10 to make it easier to get the things you use all the time, you know, let alone having widgets. I think it would also be nice to have notifications not be completely broken. Apple only did half the work of copying Android. It looks like Android, but you can't respond to individual notifications uh, by just dismissing one, but keeping the others open or dismiss them all at once, much less act upon individual notifications the way you can in Android. I'd like to see just one click to turn Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on or off, but not the Android way in their notification center, because what happens is you can so easily accidentally press one's, oh, my Bluetooth is off and I'm in the car and i got to pick up the phone to turn it on. We don't want to go there. Rob Pegarero, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. You can uh, read my Q&A comments on USA Today, USA Today's website every weekend. You can find me writing about gadgets and social media discovery news. I blog about tech policy and other uh, wonky topics at the Disruptive Competition Project, a blog set up by the Computer and Communications Industry Association. Uh, you can see me at various, various other places. I reviewed the Galaxy S4 at Boing Boing. And my own blog is robpegarero.com. 
and don't have to worry about how to spell it. Click on his name at our site, and it'll take you to his site where you could go off to the various directions in which he writes. Rob Pegarero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? 
If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends. If you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships. If you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise. And you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And now we're going to dispel all the silly comments being made in the tech blogosphere. And one that really came to be really one that even the people who were skeptical about Apple attack, and that is the CEO of BlackBerry says that in five years, tablets will not be a factor. Now, obviously, he must be thinking that BlackBerry couldn't sell one, but he forgot that Apple exists. Well, he does say some silly things. I think part of his comments were taken out of context because the media really loves to grab a comment and just, you know... You know, kind of like Al Gore inventing the internet. I mean, that's not what he said, but it's funny and it's easy to criticize. It's the soundbite generation. Exactly. You say one sentence that sounds really cool, having nothing to do with the rest of the paragraph, but that's what they quote for the rest of your life. Yeah, I think he's going to be dogged by that for a while. I think what he was trying to say, I, I mean, when, you, when you're in a position, I mean, if you can imagine being a company competing against Apple, especially a company that was doing much better than Apple in smartphones when Apple got into the business and is now doing very poorly and tried to create their own iPad and failed, they're in a pretty awful position. And, and if you just imagine yourself, how do you compete with that? And I think what he was trying to say, I haven't, I haven't looked really carefully at what he said, but just from, from some of the stuff that I've seen, um, I believe what he was trying to say was it would be foolish to try to throw out another playbook and try to compete against the iPad directly. I think he sees more opportunity in creating smartphones. And it's, it kind of was alluded to that his goal was, instead of creating a freestanding tablet, to create an external screen that sort of works as a companion so that the, the processing power is concentrated on the phone, which is kind of like the most reasonable strategy to pursue. Because if you look at, for example, Android, Android success comes from selling smartphones. They're not doing well in selling tablets. You know, this IDC report. We want to get into that in a moment because some people are criticizing that. But just proceed with this because I have a few ideas once you get past it. But the reality is that it's a difficult market to come into. And you look at what Microsoft did with the Surface and just it seemed like and it appeared that everyone, including Microsoft, thought that they were going to do really well. I mean, like all, all the people in the, you know, Microsoft sphere, you know, the people that write about Microsoft were acting like Microsoft were just going to step in and take all the business, <laughs> you know, just like the Zoom didn't. It's really difficult 
it's really difficult. I mean, if you look at how how hard it was for Apple to claw its way back into the PC market, you know, to back into relevance over the course of the '90s, it was really difficult to to enter a new enter a market that it had once. I mean, Apple never had a dominant position with the Macintosh, but it had kind of introduced graphical computing to the mainstream and had been kind of pushed out of the running through the first half of the 90s. So to claw back into relevance, it was a really difficult process. And if you look at anyone else, trying to compete against the iPad is going to be really hard because Apple has a really strong ecosystem. So how do you do that? And what RIM is saying, or their name isn't RIM anymore, BlackBerry, it, it sounds like what they're trying to do is really focus on smartphones and try to establish sort of a, a beachhead in smartphones with their new operating system, which they don't have. I mean, it, that's a task in itself. The alternative to what he was saying would be saying, yeah, let's kick out a smartphone and cr- kick out a tablet, which is harder than what even Apple did. Because Apple had strongly established the iPhone OS, what, three years before the iPad came out? Nobody else has that luxury of three years of, of strengthening your iPhone before you pull out an iPad. So he's basically saying we're, we have to start from somewhere. So I think his, his remarks were taken somewhat out of context, but it does highlight the difficulty of for anyone in the industry to try to take over any meaningful bit of the iPad market. I mean, even if you look at Samsung, which is everyone is now saying that Samsung is the only company that's even doing well compared to Apple. And they're selling a lot of smartphones and the tablets they're selling. If you look at all the tablets that that Samsung shipped in the last quarter, it's only twice as big as Apple's inventory, twice as big as Apple's inventory, not even twice as big. They sold 8.8 million tablets, apparently, or not. They didn't sell them. They shipped them. So that includes stocking shelves and selling to individual users. Apple shipped 4.7, something like that, million iPads just to fill inventory. That's just to fill the shelves. That's how deep the shelves are. On top of that, they sold the balance of almost 20 million iPads in a quarter. So that's not something that you just walk in and (laughs) blow out. Well, that's the problem with the IDC survey. And IDC can frequently be wrong because if we believe IDC, Mac sales would have been down 7.5% in the March quarter. It was down, what, 2%. But now looking over this IDC figure showing that now the iPad holds a minority share of the overall market, but Apple reports sales, most other companies report what they ship. So there could be tens of millions of other tablets lying around unsold, but IDC doesn't pay attention. And it's kind of important to, the difference between shipped and sold is the difference of sell-in and sell-out. When you're selling into the channel, you're just pushing stuff into the, onto the shelves. And when you're selling through, you're actually selling it to people. So if you came up with a new product every quarter, you could push this into inventory and report that you're selling all this stuff. When really, you know, it may all get returned to you, but your shipments are high. That's not a very good metric of, you know, how many people are buying your stuff or what people want. So if you're trying to compare, you know, shipments, I mean, that's not a very good metric of to get an idea of what people are actually buying or to get an idea of what there's a demand for or anything. That's why Apple has criticized that a couple of times publicly. The other thing you see, if you look at surveys of Internet traffic, Assuming that everybody who buys a tablet is going to go online at some point in time, that has to count in the metric. And if that's the case, well, iOS is getting such 
a major share of that market, you wonder what the other people are doing with their tablets or even if they bought them. Yeah, I mean, when, when Samsung came out with the, the first tablet at the end of, was it 2010? It was running, you know, 2.2, Froyo 2.2 Android. They announced that they shipped 2.2 million or whatever the number was, and everyone acted like, oh, wow, you know, they have this huge percentage of the market share. Well, none of those tablets actually were sold. I mean, very few of them actually sold. And, you know, a couple of years later, we found out in the trial that, no, they were shipped, but they didn't sell. And yet, companies like IDC were reporting that all of a sudden they had this huge percentage of market share. Well, the thing is, you can easily ship the first couple million of a device because the global channel is at least two million, even if your channel isn't that big. I mean, Apple has a huge channel for selling iPads because they're just going through them so much. But even if you look at products that didn't sell well, the Zune and the Surface, I mean, they're, they're shipping out a million or two just to fill the channel. So that's impressive for a quarter or two. But if they're not consistently shipping through the channel, it doesn't matter. That's why that's, this shipping stuff is, is so silly. Now, so, what you see here, though, if you're introducing a new model every quarter, you could basically show incredible amounts of units being shipped. But if you're lucky enough to sell a third or half of them, it doesn't matter with your bottom line. Yeah, I, was, I also think it's kind of strange that every other company on Earth, it's... it's um, Ability is measured in the amount of products that can ship, not profit. Where if you look at the criticism of Apple, this, this latest, um, the latest quarterly report that they came out with, everyone said, oh, well, you know, sales and, or revenues and profits are meeting expectations, but we're kind of concerned about profit margins going forward. Well, they're not concerned about profit margins of any other company. <laughs> in fact, you know, if you look at Amazon and you know, these Google tablets that Google is selling them for pennies over what it's actually costing to make them. And they're just dumping stuff in the channel to see if it, if they can create some sort of a installed base to sell content to. I wonder about Amazon. Now I like Amazon. I use Amazon. I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon as I can afford it. But the problem with Amazon is they never report very much in the way of profits, but it's still a wall street darling. They love Amazon even though the company seldom ever makes money. And you have to think how many years they ran losses before they even showed minor profits. We've got so much more to talk about here. For example, I wanted to mention to Daniel Aaron Dilger about my idea with regard to the iPad and personal computers and how those things might mate. A reminder, if you want to get in touch with us, you can write us, news at technighthowl.com. Once again, that's news at technighthowl.com. And we also have a Twitter channel. Yes, we are on Twitter. You can find us there, Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl at Twitter. And if you follow us, neighbors, maybe we will follow you. We also have forums at forum.technightowl.com, forum.technightowl.com. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger. He writes for AppleInsider.com and Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. And we look at the situation here where Apple reports great profits, even if those profits were a little less great than last year. Wall Street is freaking over that, but we have all these other companies reporting much lower profits, and Wall Street loves them. Yeah, there does seem to be a bit of a disconnect. Well, part of it is Apple has already achieved quite a lot. I mean, if if you look at the ramping up of, of products in 2012, I mean, they'd had a blockbuster year. And you get to a point where if you're selling that many more devices every year, you get to a point where it's hard to double that each time. Well, Apple could own the world. Even so, I mean, there's a limit to if you increase your sales by 100% and 100%, I mean, it it just becomes this exponential rise that becomes really difficult to maintain. And everybody was, people kept talking about, you know, there's a lot of large numbers that Apple's going to run into. Um, The thing is, it isn't that Apple is selling fewer devices. It's a percentage of growth. So, that's something that Apple was clearly going to eventually run into is that you just can't have the same percentage of growth. They're still selling, you know, tens of millions of devices. They're selling record numbers of iPads. Um, but the problem is they're comparing percentage of growth. And for other companies, for these little companies in China, you know, ZTE and these things that are getting started, they're blowing up. So they have huge percentages of growth. That was once the case with HTC. They were reporting like 100% growth. I mean, um, doubling their stuff 
then they reached a, a point where they're not growing now. Motorola was doing really well for a while. They're not doing well now. And if you look at Samsung, they're doing really well. But they haven't been doing really well as long as Apple. And at some point, quite rapidly, they're going to be starting to compare current results with the good results they have right now. And they're going to run into the same problem of percentage of growth. So when people talk about some of the things that that are being discussed is in terms of this kind of gloom and doom outlook for Apple is simply that Apple got there first. It, it has kind of, to level off. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a tortoise and hare race, except there isn't a finish line. You just keep racing and keep racing and keep racing. And if you look at who's making the money, Apple has been making the money over and over and over again. You know, there's a couple companies that are doing well right now, but they're going to run into that same problem of they're going to be having their future results compared with their past. And it's going to be really hard to maintain the same level of growth. But that doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean that Apple's not doing well. Because in addition to, to selling well, Apple has one of the most competent operational structures in technology in terms of making consumer products. And it's not that Apple makes a certain type of product. It's that Apple knows how to make any kind of product. And they know what not to make. And if you look at Samsung and Microsoft and everybody else and Google's experiments, they can make things that look like stuff that Apple's already made. That's not too terribly difficult. What's difficult is finding new things and coming up with an idea and actually being able to execute it and making money on as you do it. Those are the really hard things to do. It's not hard to copy what it's already been done. And no company is copying Apple and doing a better job than Apple is doing in terms of performance, in terms of making money, in terms of being able to sell, in terms of being able to expand their sales. So, I mean, there's so much, there's so much this is being reported that isn't true. It's, it's very misleading. I, I, a lot of readers will ask me, you know, can you address this? I'm concerned about this. And it just strikes me. It's like, wow, there's so much false information out there that's portraying Apple as being this like endangered company when that's not really the case at all. All you have to do is compare it to the, the performance and the, the competency of other companies. And it, it's pretty striking. The other criticism is when is Apple going to release a new revolutionary product? And then the response would be, when will Samsung release a revolutionary product? When have they ever released anything but that isn't basically something that another company already pioneered? Well, it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's two examples of that. One is, you know, the copycat iPod Touch, the Galaxy Player, I think, hasn't sold anything. I mean, nobody was able to copy the, the iPod of any sort. And you'd think that Android would be able to copy an iPod Touch because it's basically a phone without the phone part. And yet no one's been able to successfully sell that in significant quantities. The same thing with the iPad. It's kind of a similar situation. Now, Samsung has tried other things. They came out with this, you know, it's basically a, you know, like an SLR type camera with an Android camera back. But there's no indication that that's selling to any, you know, reaching any new interest level. And, you know, they, they've been putting Android stuff in dishwashers and washing machines and whatever, and there's not some huge stampede to buy this stuff. So, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, no one is creating new products. Apple created an entirely new product category with the iPad that was significantly different than what other people were offering, not just as in hardware, 
but also in how the software was designed and how it was designed to be used. It wasn't trying to be a desktop computer and a laptop. It wasn't trying to be a stretched, stretched smartphone. It was an entirely new type of operating environment. And it turned out to be very successful. And that's very difficult to match. It's very easy, and it's, it's relatively easy for a consumer electronics company to replicate a bit of hardware. But the hardware is tied to these services and you know iTunes and the App Store and iCloud. Those things are very difficult to replicate. And even if you can replicate it, you still have to sell it to somebody that you have the ability to maintain all this stuff. And even Microsoft is not keeping up with Apple in terms of things that it once had an edge in doing. Now, going back to tablets, now, there was one thing that the CEO of BlackBerry suggested, which I thought was very good, and you mentioned it. So, for example, taking a smartphone and somehow connecting it up with a large display to become, I guess, your all-purpose computer. Well, why couldn't you do that with an iPad? Why couldn't you give the iPad, maybe not with today's chips, but tomorrow's chips, enough power to drive a large display, maybe with Thunderbolt, for example, a wireless version of Thunderbolt, be able to mate wirelessly with a desktop display and keyboard, so this becomes your all-in-one, all-purpose computer. Yes, maybe it's 7.9 inches or 9.7 inches, and you take it everywhere with you, but where you need the extra power, all you do is dock it. Well, there's a couple of products like that. Um, the, there's a number of... Uh, remember that? Well, they are in terms of docking, but not quite the way I'm envisioning it. But go ahead. Um, from a couple of different perspectives. One is like basically trading a screen and a keyboard for a, and for a smartphone. Um, another one is plugging basically a smartphone in the back of a screen... That's I think it was Asus made that they called it the pad phone, <laughs> but I mean you get to the point where it's kind of like uh, dockable batteries or you know replaceable batteries. The idea is conceptually good, but when you start actually implementing it, you realize that you're wasting a lot of space creating this interface. And what's the value? So that you ha- instead of selling a you know eight hundred dollars smartphone, high end smartphone, and a five hundred dollar tablet, how much money are you saving by having one chip? and shared RAM and things like that. I mean, you're not really saving money. You can't really offer the iPad for half the price sustainably by taking out the chip and hoping that you can use your, your smartphone in it. So no, I'm not talking about taking out the chip. I'm talking about these devices like an iPad functioning exactly as they do today. All-in-one, all-purpose handheld computers. But if you need the power of a desktop computer... It can do that, too. But I'm not talking about these convertible things that Dell sells. I'm talking about using an external display if you need it. If you don't need it, don't use it. Don't buy it. Just use it for its internal display, if you get my point. Well, one thing that's interesting, I don't know if this is exactly what you're saying, but what I'm seeing a lot of happening with the iPad, which I didn't really notice, because I, I notice when I talk to other people that are kind of my generation of, you know, use, used to using computers. I have an iPad and I have an, a MacBook, you know, MacBook Air, and I prefer using the MacBook because I like a lot of the things that you can do with a computer that you can't quite do on an iPad. And we'll know more about this answer because it's going to suspend for just a couple of minutes as he gathers his thoughts and we gather a few other things. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. We've lived in this neighborhood for years. We have an alarm system and all of our doors have deadbolts. They kicked in our door and were in and out of our house in about five minutes. The police arrived in about 20 minutes, but they were long gone with our TV jewelry and my guns. I kept thinking, what if my family had been home? The police officer said that more than 85% of break-ins are through a door and that deadbolts alone don't stop intruders. The officer told me to go to easyarmor.net if we wanted something that would actually stop an intruder. Easy Armor reinforces all of the weak points on your doors and is guaranteed to prevent kick-ins. I was surprised at how little Easy Armor costs, and I installed Easy Armor in about 30 minutes. Visit easyarmor.net. That's the letters E Z A R M O R.net. Or call 888 58 Armor. That's 888 582 7667. Easyarmor.net. Ultimate door security made easy. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live with Daniel Aaron Dilger, and he started a thought, which is kind of like the old Bee Gees song, I Started a Joke, but this is a very serious thought. Go ahead, please. Well, what I was saying is, for my generation that grew up in, you know, as an adult in the 90s, using a desktop computer is pretty, pretty comfortable. Younger generation, I mean, I look at people who are, who are now in their 20s or younger, I see them increasingly using an iPad, and putting a keyboard on it, and using it like a computer. And not just among individuals, they're, they're popping up all over San Francisco as cash registers. You can slide your card, you can do a pay with your account, like a, a square. The shop in, in retail shops and coffee shops and a variety of places. It's not, I don't, I don't think people recognize yet that Apple is, his, I don't know how purposeful it was. You know, the, you can do certain things that just end up working out really well, and you look back and you're like, yeah, I meant to do that. There's certain things that Apple clearly meant to do, and there's certain things that Apple is benefiting from that they didn't quite mean to do, but it worked out really well. For example, iOS games. Apple didn't set out to make a, a game platform, but they took over the game platform of, of casual gaming and, and mobile devices. And this idea of becoming a cash register, becoming taking over a huge portion of what was once the PC industry, because PCs were such a commodity that they became so cheap that they were used for a lot of things they didn't need to be used for. So instead of having a, a, a dedicated terminal that hooked into a mainframe to get you know news or reports on a, a corporate data center, something like that, you had a whole PC. You didn't need a whole PC. You're only looking at some text feed from, you know, you go to into a hospital and they have computers in every room there's a big full desktop pc that all it does is terminal emulation into a a system somewhere or it's working as a web browser you don't need a pc for that and there's cash registers that are pcs so there's so many people and and, you know a lot of consumers are using a, a full pc to browse the web and check their email and the thing is there's a huge a huge portion of this pc market that was being you know considerably overserved, and usually the the kind of disruption that comes in is you you find a cheaper way to do it, and so that's why when netbooks came out, everybody thought, oh, this is going to be what's going to take over the PC because it's a cheaper PC, but they were really poor quality PCs, and they had all the problems with PCs. They had viruses and malware. They had complexity of setting up. They had difficulty of maintain maintaining the you know, if you have a fleet of them, it's still difficult. You might as well have a PC. It's the same thing. It's a cheap PC. What Apple came up with is an appliance that does most of what a PC can do. There's a lot of people that still need a PC. I like to have a, you know, a full desktop computer to work on most of the time. But for a lot of uses, there's some people that don't even want to deal with dealing with the whole desktop. Most people, in fact, I think, would rather just have stuff that works rather than having a whole thing that has to be maintained and fiddled with. And Apple made it very easy to maintain the iPad. So you have across enterprise, you have across 
uh, utilitarian uses like cash registers. You have across a lot of people that just want to browse the web and check email. And a, a considerable portion of what used to be the PC market is now being totally taken over by iPads. And because of the ecosystem, it's not a commodity thing. Like everybody else can't just build an iPad. In fact, you go to museums like the the California Academy of Science in, in San Francisco. There's a, a whole bunch of iPads all over the place that are kids can interact with and get in more information about some animal on display or in the aquarium or something. There's cheaper um, tablet hardware out there. You could, you could pick up a really cheap Android tablet. And in fact, you know, the pages of, you know, PC world type magazines are constantly talking about how there's going to be these $50 Android tablets. The problem is they're not just tablet hardware. The reason that people are using it is because there's an ecosystem. It's easy to make apps. There, there's third-party apps that already exist. There's first-party apps from Apple. There's the operating system that works really well. That's what's missing on these cheapo Android tablets. And Google is not really addressing any of those things. Google's hoping the market will solve itself, and it's not doing that. And at this point, Apple's really well-established, so it's kind of Apple's thing to lose. So it'll be interesting going forward to see how well Apple does in in um, staying on top of the pile. But it, it's certainly on top of the pile at this point. Well, I'm still getting back to that point that that doesn't stop even if 90% of the people or 95% of the people who use iPads are only going to use them as standalone devices. That doesn't stop you from having this extra docking capability, which can also replace the need for lots of desktop computers. Do you mean having like a dock that it plugs into that gives it more power? Well, the question is here, at some point in time, as these graphic chips and the processors get more and more powerful, they would be in and of themselves sufficiently powerful to drive a full-size display. Okay? You mean as a big iPad or as a... No, taking the iPad and docking it wirelessly with a full-size display and a regular keyboard. So it would just stretch out the display of an iPad? In a sense, it would just be something that mirrors the internal display of your iPad, or even, you know, it's not a question of having two monitors. It's replacing the functions of the iPad with the larger display. So you get the full larger display at a normal large display resolution. So if you need a large display to do your stuff, there it is. Well, I mean that's that's kind of what AirPlay does. You can if you're yes, it is, but this is something a little more distinctive there because with AirPlay you still need a separate. Each device is a computer of some sort. I'm talking about a display, a dumb display. Well, I mean, yeah, that that turns an Apple TV and a and a television into that big display, but but still requiring two devices. Okay, and remember too that the Apple TV, all it's doing is feeding a digital signal over HDMI. It's not driving a 55-inch flat-panel TV. Okay. I don't think you see what I'm talking about. Maybe. I'm not sure. No, I'm talking about basically is if it can drive internally a 27-inch display, you can take a dumb 27-inch display with the proper connector, say a wireless version of Thunderbolt, and get the full display experience when you need it. It has all the computing power you need. 
but then you simply undock it wirelessly and go back about your business. Yeah, I mean, I think for the people that that want to do something like that, I mean, there's the was it you know the VGA or DVI out or whatever it is that you can plug an iPad into a large display. But I think the the ease of the market for doing that would be better served by a TV just airplaying to it. You know, if you're if you're an educator, if you're doing a presentation or something, it's like boom, really easy to do. You just pick a button and it's working on the TV over there. If you want to use a full size TV for it, oh well. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Mother's Day is next week, and Pro Flowers is offering an amazing Mother's Day special. 100 stunning blooms for mom, plus a free glass face for just $19.99. Plus, order today and you're automatically entered for a chance to win an amazing trip for mom. Three lucky grand prize winners and a guest will be whisked away to your choice of Paris, Napa, or St. Thomas. Just go to proflowers.com, click on the microphone in the upper right corner, and enter the secret code 5454. Order now from Pro Flowers to get huge savings. 100 colorful blooms for mom guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven full days plus a free vase for only $19.99. But hurry, this incredible deal expires this Friday and if you order this week, you're entered for a chance to win a trip for mom to an incredible destination. The only way to get this amazing deal and be entered to win the trip of a lifetime is to go to proflowers.com. Click on the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 5454. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 or over. Restrictions apply. See rules of website for details. If you love pineapple as much as I do, I've got some great news for you. You're going to love this offer from Freeze-Dry Guy. For the month of May, Freeze-Dry Guy is offering the finest quality freeze-dried pineapple, a case of six number 10 cans yielding 114 servings at a special introductory price. First quality freeze-dried pineapple grown and packed with nothing added. This healthy treat works wonders with salad, is great for snacking, hiking, hunting, camping, and for adding to your food storage program. And please note that Freeze-Dry Guy's foods will store on your shelf for decades. Order now and get free shipping to your front door within the lower 48 states. This special introductory price is good until May 31st. For more information and a free complete product list, go to freezedryguy.com or phone 866-404-3663. freezedryguy.com, 866-404-3663. Mm-hmm. 
How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider talking about all the issues in the tech universe that are centered around Apple and how things are spinning out of control or otherwise. Speaking of spinning out of control, Apple stock price dropping precipitously, and then they do something that is strictly a numbers game with this buyback of shares where they went to the open bond market to save taxes, and now Apple stock price is soaring. So it says Wall Street likes Apple to play financial games. Well, it isn't soaring yet. It's recovering. Well, in that sense, it's recovered quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was kind of crazy when it went down as far as it did. I mean, when it got down to like 420, I was like, well, this is ridiculous. And then it dropped under under the 400 mark, and it was just like, okay, this is absurd. And it really shows that, you know, people talk about the stock market as if it's like the unknown, you know, all-knowing hand of God, that every day, you know, stock will go up a few points, and people will be like, oh, this is why, because this news was released, or, you know, this... There's no rationality in the stock market on, on a short-term basis. Things just go nuts all the time. And even over a long period of time, you know, relatively you know, six-month period, like we've seen, Apple's stock has just been completely bonkers. And you can make all kinds of cases about how you know, the outlook for Apple is, uh, was tarnished by this realization that they were going to suddenly stop exponential growth at some point. They can't keep doubling because there's just not enough people out there to buy the new stuff. But the reality is, I mean, the stock went down far below what it was ever in 2012. So, you know, rationally, the stock market decided that Apple was worth what it was thought to be worth in 2011, negating the entire best year of Apple's performance ever. Like that entirely didn't matter. So that's just stupid. And if you want another example, you go back to 2008. Steve Jobs was around. They were doing incredibly well the entire year. They were bucking in incredibly difficult economic conditions were really bad. We were going through, I think, officially a recession. And yet Apple sales didn't go down one, one bit at all. But analysts kept talking about, oh, we're in this macroeconomic climate that's really bad. And it didn't matter. It didn't actually have an effect. They were wrong. And they set price targets that were wrong. And so it really just goes to highlight that on a, 
you know, on a you know shorter term basis, the market can be wrong. They put a wrong value on Apple, and you know you can you can make the comment that oh they were wrong when they set it at seven hundred a few months ago, six months ago. Perhaps it was uh, you know too high, but now it's too low, and so that it's just balancing out. But it takes a while for that to that kind of agreement to work out. It's just the the waves of the market, and the more extreme the waves are, the more extreme the response is. But it just highlights that it's quite irrational on a short-term basis. So, of course, the problem being here is that tech analysts and financial analysts use the market as indicators that Apple is in trouble, that Tim Cook needs to be fired. When's he going to be fired? Please fire him. That Apple is really having problems. The product delays are killing them. They should upend every new market every five minutes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just crazy. I mean, the stuff about Tim Cook, There's only the only two people that are, are really saying that are um, people that don't like Apple, that are just trying to say crazy stuff to get people riled up. And, I mean, that's just a lie. And then there's, there's shareholders that are like, oh, well, you know, why isn't Tim Cook making my shares go up? Well, first of all, we know that a CEO doesn't control the share price. And the harder they try the more they're not doing their real job. You know, if you look at, um, like I said, in 2008 under uh, Steve Jobs, Apple's share price went from something like like almost 200 down to 115 and then back up towards almost 200 and then down to 80 by the end of the year. Just up and down like half and then double. And, you know, it's just insane. And that was under Steve Jobs. They were doing incredibly well the entire time. So, I mean... There's, there was more of a case to fire Steve Jobs. I mean, it's just stupid. The CEO should not be out there, you know, trying to say things to keep your stock from going up or down or whatever. That's not, the, that's not their job. Their job is to perform, make sure the company is performing so that the stock market can, like, get it together and realize, oh, yeah, we've put a very wrong price on Apple stock. That's, how, that's just how it works. So, I mean, anybody that was talking about Tim Cook is an idiot. Be, you know, needing to be fired or needing to be, I mean, this is stupid. Well, you know what it is also is they didn't do that. You didn't have that kind of publicity and that kind of coverage of Apple in 2008. Looking over every change in the stock market price is an indication as whether Steve Jobs need to be fired, whether the company was going to go out of business next year. So then you didn't care about that. Now, I guess because the numbers are substantial, it's not $80 compared to $200, it's $385 compared to $700, and that sounds a lot more impressive, and therefore, when it falls from that, it has a more thundering impact on everything. Well, I mean, there is more scrutiny for Apple now, and there's more people following it. Um, But, you know, if you recall back to 2008, the understanding at the time was that Apple was going to be rapidly beaten back into place by Windows Mobile or Symbian. You know, they were going to have this free and open Symbian or, you know, all these other things that people were coming out with that we don't even remember anymore because they're completely irrelevant and they're not even around anymore. You know, in 2008, people were talking about how what was really important were little keyboards. And, you know... It's it's almost mind blowing to go back in time and read some of this old news and just be remember like how ridiculous people were just a few years ago and what they were saying. So there's never been a shortage of stupid things being written about Apple. 
And yeah. in large measure, it's just because people don't get it. I mean, uh, people don't understand the, the competency in Apple. And like I said, the competency is not the ability to, you know, design something, to create a picture of something. I, I look, you know, there's all these people that are saying, oh, Apple needs to do this. And they draw a picture of, you know, the super thin device doing something that's impossible. And it's like, well, drawing a picture is really easy. How much did, you know, how many billion dollars did you earn drawing that picture? Nothing. You didn't earn anything because that picture's not worth anything. The reason Apple's collecting, you know, tens of billions of dollars every quarter is not because they're drawing cool designs. It's because they're able to source in advance, figure out what the, where the market is going, what they need to do, building a product, figuring out once you have a product that's good, how to manufacture and sell it and stock it around the world. The more you know about how Apple's operation works, the more your mind is blown. Because it's not a matter of coming out with a good idea and then selling it. And you look, that's, that's even difficult. You know, for Microsoft, they came out with the Surface. They worked really hard on it for a couple of years, figuring out how to get Windows to work on an ARM, figuring out how to put together a piece of hardware. wasn't that impressive, I thought. And yet, it wasn't just that it wasn't a great product. It was that they couldn't sell it. They didn't price it right. They didn't have the right strategic focus behind it. But they also just weren't able to sell it, even with billion dollars of advertisements. Well, of course, the ads were also horrible. Yeah, they were. I mean... You know, Apple has had good ads. They've had mediocre ads. But the ads for the Surface do not at all tell you really what it is. All you see is, well, it seems to be some kind of portable computing device that kind of looks like a flat, thin notebook or a netbook. That's what it looks like. That's what it comes across as when you look at the commercials. Now, I notice in the new ads for Windows 8, they've got this nerdy-looking, heavyset kind of guy saying this is what you could do with Windows 8, trying to make some effort to get away from the noise and show you that this operating system can actually do something. Now, you can argue whether what it's showing you is good or useful. The point is they are trying to make an effort now to show the product for what it does, not to annoy you with lots of pomp and circumstance without any substance. We always get substance. From Daniel Aaron Dilger of AppleInsider.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Introducing a 30-day emergency food supply for only $99. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can purchase Oregon Trail Foods' one-month supply of high-quality, nutritious, and healthy emergency meals for less than $100. These vegetarian meals are all-natural, non-GMO, high in carbs and protein, and are packed with oxygen absorbers in Mylar pouches. They take up to 70% less space than number 10 cans, have a 20-year shelf life, and huge portions, over twice the serving size of some competitors' meals. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low by buying direct from producers in Oregon and then pass the savings on to you. Purchase a 30-day, 90-serving emergency food supply for only $99 this month and $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Call 541-673-6666 or visit 30dayfoodsupply.com where they make preparedness affordable. 30dayfoodsupply.com. Got it? Get it. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com. Farmers keep livestock lean and healthy with a mineral-rich diet. Then, before market, they cut off minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains. If weight control is this easy, why prescribe surgery for humans? Introducing Longevity. You could avoid 900 diseases by getting 90 essential nutrients from Longevity. Check out 90forlife at tobeyoungagain.com or call 855-79-YOUNG. That's 855-79-YOUNG or tobeyoungagain.com. Longevity. It's all about saving money, getting healthy, and creating wealth. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Daniel Arundel, of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider, joining us. The topic du jour I raised was the horrible nature of the promotions, but the thing that concern me most with these ads is now Microsoft, at least for Windows 8, is showing you something that indicates what it really does. What do you think? You know, it's useful in, in a technology product to show that there's some value. You know, here's here's how you do this and it's easier, or this makes your life better. But it, it's difficult when you already have an established product like the PC, like the Windows PC, to really blow people away with features. When Apple came out with the iPhone, 
or the iPad, they were showing off something that was really new. And in, in a you know, some people had smartphones, but it wasn't evident why you'd want one. And here it was, boom, you do this, and then you do this, and then you have your iPod, and here's your web browser, and here's your phone. And it was really striking, and it, it hit an emotional chord. Where showing people, you know, on Windows, you can do this and that, and that's not really has the same emotional impact. And emotional impact is really important in an ad. You have to give people, I mean, basically a, lot, a big part of advertising is making people irrationally want something that they don't need. Well, with the case of the ads for the surface, all they did was assault your senses. That didn't make you desire anything. It made you want to fast forward for the commercial. Yeah, people already had a, a positive understanding of the surface. Having a you know dancing commercial might attract them to that idea, but there was there was nothing to base it on. And then when you go and use it, and you realize this is a really complicated product, and it's not quite a laptop. And it's not quite a tablet. It's not simple. And it's not sophisticated enough to be a computer. It's just sort of this weird middle thing that if I buy it, I'm going to want a computer too. And I'm going to want to, you know, going to be using a tablet of some other kind or, you know, consulting my smartphone. This is, it's too big to be a widely portable tablet. So it's just kind of like this, what does this do for me? I don't think that re- clearly did not resonate with people because they're not buying it. They're barely selling enough to fill the channel. Well, now they're saying, well, maybe Microsoft, for their second act, they'll come up with a smaller surface, as if that solves the problem. You're just taking the problem and making it a smaller problem. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand how you're going to make the same product smaller. I mean, if you look at the iPad Mini, it's a scaled-down version of iPad 2. Um, It doesn't lose the ability to do a lot of things that the whole premise of the surface is that it's big enough to be able to draw on with your finger and, you know, scaling that down, you lose a lot of the identity of what Microsoft created becomes a totally different product. So, but what's interesting is if you look at, you know, the windows eight, the Metro thing, this new layer of design that Microsoft put on top of windows and it totally lost a lot of people. The question is, what is Apple going to do with, the next version of iOS and of OS X that is going to be different enough to attract people, maybe new users, and retain the attention of the users they have, but not different enough to freak out people who like the way things are. So it'll be really interesting to see what they come out with. I'm under the impression they're going to unveil both, or look at both, at WWDC next month. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see. People keep talking about flat design and how, you know, all these all these poor Windows enthusiasts that just desperately want Microsoft to be relevant. And they're like, oh, well, iOS is going to have this flat design that's going to look like Windows Phone. No, it's not. It's not going to look like Windows Phone, Metro, anything like that. Do you know anyone who actually has seen what iOS 7 and OS 10.9 are looking like? We're depending right now on the rumor mills. Have you heard anything more definitive? No. No, I'm I'm quite sure that no one outside of Apple has seen you know, you know a significant look at what it does. When they're talking about scaling down, yeah, there's a lot of like fluff and stuff they could scale, but that's not really the problem. I mean, it's like a little bit of a distraction. It seems kind of like to me, you know, the game center being green and whatever. I don't care. I don't care what it looks like that much. I care that how well it works. And if it doesn't work really well, it's like why did you spend all this time, you know, creating this 
fuzzy dice rolling back, you know, green background, whatever. Why didn't you put that effort into making it work? Which that's not entirely valid because it's not the same person that does both things. But it, it's kind of like, why are you working on the design instead of the functionality? And my biggest problem with with you know anything that Apple does, if you look at apps like Contacts, there are so many things that Contacts could do, and it doesn't appear to do very much more than the address book did when you know OS ten first came out. There's not a lot of functionality there that's new. I mean, there's some. There's you know interaction with. There's so many cool things that that Contacts could do, and it has not it has not progressed incredibly since address book first came out on you know OS ten point one or whatever it was. Um, there's a lot of really innovative things you could do with things like contacts and calendar and whatever on both the desktop and the phone. I mean, it's cool that they connect to iCloud, but it, Apple already has technology. And one of the few patents that they've actually got some leverage out of was this data detectors that they invented in the mid nineties. This idea of scanning content, finding things like phone numbers or addresses, highlighting them so you could do something with them. And it's sort of implemented right now, but there's a lot of cases where, you know, you get an email from somebody and you want to add that person to contacts. You want to, you either have to do a lot of manual fooling around to get their, their address and their, their email address and their phone number, you know, all this different information. Um, on the desktop, you can kind of click and create an address and it will do a lot of automated things for you. Or when you go into calendar and you, know, you, you say 10 o'clock appointment with this person and it just figures out what that means is that you want a 10 o'clock appointment scheduled. It's kind of like Siri. It's parsing what you're thinking and doing something for you, which is very useful. So I think there's going to be a lot of that kind of thing in the future of automating things in a useful way. I really wish Apple would do a lot more OCR technology where you could take documents and take a picture of them and scan them in the computer. Why they haven't done that yet, I'm not clear on. Every, every product that Apple sells now has a camera in it. They're not using it very well. They're just like leaving that entirely to third parties when there's a lot of ways that that could be useful. And then there's a lot of features that have been there for a while that need to get fixed. Like Spotlight Search. Every time I go searching for an email, it, I just can't find it. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of refinement and functionality that I don't care so much about you know, creating a new skin for, uh, you know, OS 10 and iOS as much as creating some of this functionality that needs to get updated. But I, I, at the same time, I think there's going to be a, a big push to continue to, um, kind of class up and create a distinctive look for iOS seven and 10.9. And you can see that kind of progress in other places. I, uh, iTunes 11, it has a very minimal look. It doesn't look anything like Windows. It doesn't look anything like Metro. But it's it's a very sparse, clean, functional look that you can do things with. They didn't throw away a lot of functionality. They just threw away a lot of clutter. And so I think a lot of a lot of the OS and apps that ship the Apple ships with them are going to do that. They're going to be a lot. Um, there's going to be minimalism and clean lines and less less of the leather stitching kind of stuff. Not that the leather is terribly wrong, but that that's not the focus is creating those things. It's creating stuff that works. I think the key here is 
it's easy to swap out the artwork for an interface element. Obviously, you want the artwork to look good and integrate with whatever theme you have for your operating system. It's the stuff under the hood that counts. Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted. I, I've been writing every Saturday morning. I write a, an editorial for Apple Insider that's been pretty well received. There's a lot of discussion. I, I try to incite discussion, you know, instead of just saying, oh, my opinion is this should happen. I, I try to outline the context of a certain subject. And then there's hundreds of comments that talk about various aspects of that, which I, I think has been kind of a fun thing to do. It's a lot of fun to read also. You can check us out on Twitter. We are known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. And you can check out our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, including that citizens hearing about UFOs that took place this past week in Washington, D.C. on the Tech Night Owl Live. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.